This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Ben Wilmot and you are listening to Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hello and welcome back to your very latest episode of Every Step Along the Way. Now, Stephen Schumacher has continued to be undefeated in the league, anyway, as Stoke City manager. And here to talk through the win at Rotherham and look ahead to the game against Birmingham this weekend is my ever-reliable, trusted co-colleague in this podcast, Michael Stockley. How are you, mate? Yes, machine, thank you, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, it's been a bit cold, hasn't it? The weather's dropped a little bit. I'm looking forward to heading down to the Bet365 on Saturday. I think we'll be actually a few Michelin men style people for about 17 layers on. Well, I'll tell you what, though, mate. You know what you know what you are going to see. You're going to see a handful of people who think they're the far too macho to to wear anything but shorts. Um, if you see anyone with shorts, you've got my permission to throw a, a hot bolty pie at them because. It ain't macho. You don't look clever. You look an idiot. So um, I'm sorry if I've offended anyone, but like that stadium, I wouldn't wear shorts in the summer, never mind the bloody winter. So if you do wear shorts, um, please don't be offended, but also please tell me why you wear shorts when it's absolutely freezing cold. I, I, just, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it, Dan. I don't know about you, but I, I aren't I, clearly man enough to do it. I wore shorts to that ground once for a friendly against PSV. It must be nearly 20 years ago now. And... It was like high 20 degrees. It was like July, the July, high 20 degrees, really nice. We're having a really nice swell weather. And I went there and uh, sat in what was then the John Smith's upper, that's what it was known then. So in the upper tier of the, of the sort of the main stand and the wind came through and I was like, oh my God, how is it cold when it's like nearly 30 degrees outside? How is it still where you sit there and go, oh, I feel a bit of a draft. What's a bit chilly? <laughs> what is going on? So, yeah, it's got to do microclimbing that stadium, hasn't it? It's certainly special. Uh, so, yeah, look, I'm sorry if I've offended anybody, <laughs> but uh, I just, I, as I said, I'm clearly not man, on, man enough. If that's how it is and you're brave enough to wear shorts, <laughs> then good on you, but that ain't for me. Um, right. I think we've got a lot to discuss here, haven't we? So, shall we dial straight into Rotherham? Um, now, team news came in, mate. We Luke Hundle straight into the side, obviously after he signed in the week. Uh, Bay Jono was out, bit of a uh, bit of worry in there. Always a worry during the transfer windows when a player mysteriously disappears. 
<laughs> for these games. Like, what? Especially if it's like, oh, he's got a knock. Like, oh, oh, is it a knock or is it a knock? <laughs> um, I don't think there was ever any risk of Juno being picked up. There was this early. I mean, he's been okay, but he's barely been. 25 goals in his first you know, handful yeah, of games. He's, he's only just really broken the team out in the last six weeks or so. So I think in time he will, yeah, we will get to progress his career, whether that's with Stoke or not. But right now, yeah, I don't think there's anyone coming in for him. If, say, Berger had been missing with a knock, I think we would have been a little bit more like, oh, oh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, but yeah, luckily Berger played and he played very well, mate, alongside Lewis Baker, didn't he? The, the midfield continues to sort of, you know, dominate games now. I think uh, yeah, if you look at the, the difference since Schumacher's come in and, you know, Berger expressing himself and playing well, Baker back to you know, the, the best we've seen of him and, you know, hitting his top form. And now we've got other options, haven't we? I mean, Kundal, Pearson, Juno, you know, even people like Loren and Thompson as well. It, do you think all of a sudden does the midfield look like our strongest area in the side? I think it could, yeah. I think he struggled to look past it. I mean, I was surprised that Kundal came in and played. I think it was more down the right, wasn't it? Um, predominantly, I surprised me a little bit. I mean, I guess he's clearly trying to make a little bit more more room because I wouldn't have claimed to have known a, a ton of stuff about Kundal. I don't think most people would, but I don't remember everyone really telling me that he always played down the right-hand side. But I guess when you've got Berger in the middle, Baker in the middle, um, I mean, I say right-hand side, right-hand side midfield, I, I guess there's only so many places that the guy can play. Um, but I agree with you. I think Luke Berger, we've all seen how good he's been. Baker, I'm so happy he's back. Um, and... You know, we didn't know what Baker would be getting. And we've always said, look, if, if the Lewis Baker that comes back is the one that we saw, you know, when he was really on form, scoring, assisting, the guy knows where a penalty, you know, is. If we get him back and hungry, then we know how good he can be. I do think that maybe he lost his way, you know, under Alex Neal and, and other things. I know he was injured as well, which doesn't help. But I think even then when he was playing, he was, he was a shadow of his former self, really. So I think it's great that he's back. Um, I mean, I, I know that, you know, you hear certain things, you get told certain things, and I know that someone was saying, oh, you know, Baker's off, and I think we can kind of say that Baker is not going. That's not the plan. I think uh, Shuey really likes him, as we know. Um, now, had it been Alex Dill, I reckon he would be off. But I think he's got a new energy around him now. So keen to see him continue. Kundal, um, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, a good debut. Did really well. Solid midfielder. You can see what he, you know, what he what he likes in him. He can trust and just go straight into that position. So I, I agree with you, Dan. I think it's one of the strongest midfields we've had, and we've actually got a scenario now where we could mix, you know, I think mix it up a little bit, change a couple of positions, and actually for once not be any worse off. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned there about Schumacher liking post-match quotes from Schumacher. He actually said um, the system is designed. His system is designed for players like Lewis Baker. So that to me says there is no way that he's going anywhere. And if if he does go anywhere, it's not been the manager who's wanted him to. But yeah, as far as we the information we have, he's not sort of yeah. He, he's not available, is he, for for moves? Certainly, um, Stoke aren't going to be you know, appreciative of any bids coming in. They're not looking to sell him. 
No, I don't, I don't think so at all. Um, who was the other ones that got rumoured at the same time as Baker? Um, was it Baker? Pearson. Pearson. Again, Johnson. I can see that on, strangely. I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just... I, 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 honestly, I couldn't tell you why. I just I can just see it happening. I wonder whether he is too um, static of a midfielder for the way that Shuby wants to play. As good as a cent, you know, central kind of defensive midfielder he is. And I think he's seen Thompson, and we've all seen Thompson, and again, he's like a new player. So he probably thinks all of a sudden, hold on, Thompson's a bit more mobile. I can chuck him into a couple of different positions, whereas Pearson, he's not going to be a... He's not going to play the burger role. He's not going to play a, an attacking midfielder or left left or right-hand side. He's got to play this holding midfield. So I think he maybe just thinks that Pearson's a bit uh, restrictive as a player now. You know what it could be as well? If you you think, obviously, you know, fan and... Um... Profit and sustainability, as it now is, is definitely still a thing, isn't it? With all championship clubs, unless you've got parachute payments, you're watching the pennies, aren't you? Because you've yeah. got to balance, but got to balance everything up. The coaches love to chuck as much money as they can in, and they do put as much as they can, but that is limited amount. Now, if Stephen Schumacher's sitting there and he's been playing Berger in a deeper role, hasn't he? Berger's been the one sitting in front of the defence. Berger can do. Maybe, I don't know if he can do it as well as Pearson, but then he has a lot more strings to his bow on top of what Pearson can also do. Not that Pearson's a bad footballer with the ball at his feet, but Berger is just, you know, he's going to excel considerably at this level. Now, if if Berger is going to be playing that role, and that's where Steven Schumacher thinks he can get the best out of him and the best for the midfield, because he's got people like Baker and Jono in front of him, on Kundal, then... If there's no room there for Pearson to play, is there? And as a backup, he was, oh, yeah, it's fantastic to have a backup as good as Pearson. But when you're looking at the money and you're trying to count the cost, can we afford? Because I don't imagine that Ben Pearson was brought in in the summer on low wages. No way. No, he would have been yeah. a, one of the highest so, paid players, I think. Yeah, so can Stoke justify paying that wage to a player who they see as second for that position that he plays. Do you know what I mean? So he's going he's to spend 80% of the season on the bench. He might be useful to bring on, but like you say, you've got Jordan Thompson. Well, actually, for how much we pay Jordan Thompson, is it worth Ben Pearson the extra amount that we have to pay him? And it could be that nobody's going to come in and pick up Pearson's wages that we pay him. And if that is the case, then... You'll have to stay, won't you? Because there's no point in getting rid of him for that reason and then paying him anyway. You may as well get rid of Jordan Thompson and keep Ben Pearson. Well, I, mean? I think I think that's it. With when you think about um, from the bits that I've heard, and you know, you don't always unless it comes from a really credible source. You can never say this is it. The reported difference in wage, honestly, Pearson is actually one of the top top three of paid players. It meant to be around twenty eight grand a week. So if it's 28 grand a week, which you could see, I mean, there will be some people on those mid to high 20s, no doubt. Uh, I'm sure the likes of, you know, Travers and, and stuff when they were here, I'm sure they were on some decent money. Um, Kiana will probably be one of those as well because he'll be on the Wolves. Kind of, I know we weren't paying everything, every penny of it, but um, again, from, from, what, from what I can gather, if you go on the numbers, you know, Pearson's around 28 and Jordan Thompson's below 10 grand a week. So if that is absolutely the case, I agree with you. It almost becomes an obvious thing to do. So, yeah, I, I, yeah I get it. Then you could use, yeah, you could then use 
the wage that Pearson's currently taking up in other areas of the squad, can't you? That's that's what they'll be looking to do. Like, you know, why why have we we're struggling for to get a wage together to get a prolific striker? We can't afford to get one. However, we've got, like I say, for example, nearly thirty grand a week of wages sat on the bench. So we're like, well, surely we can use that money to wear effect. So, and that, that's what that's what I imagine they're going to do. Like I say, we don't know the ins and outs, we don't know the, the numbers, but I imagine that that is the thing they'll probably have. They'll know what the budgets are. They'll know what what their allowances for wages in respect of, you know, the income that we get and what they'd like to be spending. And I'm sure Stephen Schumacher will be looking and saying, well, you know, my first eleven, if they're going to take up this much, then you know, my bench players need to be really on this and my reserves and filter it down and they'll be looking to get people in on contracts to fit those and that's the sensible way of doing it so that you don't end up in a situation where we have been for the last two years before this one where we were cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting all the time and chasing our tail a bit when it comes to um, getting within the limits of uh, profit and sustainability. Yeah, no, I, no, I agree, I agree with you. And I mean, we we talked. You mentioned obviously this is the strongest midfield. Um, what did you think to the whole? Because like, you looked at the team, and obviously Rose and McNally. I'll be honest, I was a little bit surprised with Rose and McNally to an extent. I thought you know, Wilmot would probably keep his place, but I think when I actually reflected on it after my jerk reaction of where's Wilmot, um, I guess it's just more about fitness, isn't it? While while he was out, what what did you actually make of? Of Rose, because I think, you know, we've talked, we've seen links to different defenders and stuff and, and all that. I mean, if anyone's going to go out this this team when everyone's fit, you'd probably argue it's going to be Rose. So do you think it was more fitness for Ben Wilmot at the weekend? Yeah, I imagine so, because Ben Wilmot played on Monday night for the under-21s. He played 45 minutes there. So I assume that it is a fitness issue. Um, you obviously had the one game, which a lot of the time where you, you know, the, the adrenaline can get you through a game like that, can't you? First one back, especially against Premier League opposition. Um, and maybe that we did uh, concede a couple of late goals. Possibly that was due to maybe Will Watt tiring. Uh, not saying he was at fault for them, but just things like that can just you know kick in later on in the match. Um, it was funny because it was McNally that dropped out for that Brighton game. And you do wonder whether he sees whether Rose is just more of a more of a, his kind of defender. I mean, McNally seems to be a battling defender, doesn't he? The one who'll go up against the strapping centre forward and knock you know knock six shades out of him while he gets six shades knocked out of it himself. Like, and Rose, he's a bit like Walshire, doesn't he? He's got he's decent on the ball, but he just he just looks a bit gangly, looks a bit awkward. But I actually think his sort of range of passing is probably superior to McNally's. So depends whether he wants all his centre-offs to be able to do the same job, which I believe he did at Plymouth. He liked all of them to be really comfortable on the ball, and that was the main asset he was looking for. Um, if that is the case, then it wouldn't surprise me, though, to see Wilmot and Rose as, she, as, his, as his two centre-backs. I no, I, I get it. I think we both spoke about McNally the other week. I don't think he's been good enough. I don't think he's been awful at all. But oh, no. I, I just think he's... 
I, I, I agree. With you. I just don't think he's good enough, and I don't think he's the exact type of defender that he wants. But I, I get your point on Rose. I don't think McNally or Rose will be in the two centre back pairing next next season. It will be Wilmot and one other. Uh, I don't think either of them will be there. I mean, I wouldn't be. I mean, McNally will go back. Um, I don't see. I don't see a future for Rose really. But as a backup player off the bench, could we do worse? Yes. So, but I mean, yeah, look, for, for that team, I think by and large, you know, we couldn't really complain too much about it. You know, obviously Vidigal played on, uh, as well. Haksabanovic played on the left. I mean, what, what did you think about Haksabanovic as well? Because um, I criticised him for playing on the left and being too static. Do you think he was a bit better? Uh, yeah, I think he, he put himself about a bit. He, he likes taking people on and he's pretty good at it. I mean, I come to that later on when we when we hit the stats for Birmingham. Um, there's quite a, you know quite an interesting stat on Hacks and, and sort of taking people on, which you know we I think we need people like that. I think we you can never have enough players who are willing to knock a ball past someone. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, be, and I think especially somewhere like Rotherham, it's it's a difference rather than just trying to pass your way through them. I think if you've got players who are willing to run run at players, I think that's what we've probably missed. Haven't we in the last couple of years? Um, and I think if we can get him fit and get him sharp, he could be a real asset the very remainder of the season. And although he hasn't really set the place on fire yet, I wouldn't be adverse to us trying to keep hold of him going forward. Uh, whether he'd want to stick around, I don't know. But I thought Vidigal looked better as well, looked more confident. Uh, whether he just got you know positive memories of playing Rotherham. And he's like, oh, yeah, I can batter these. Yeah, I remember these. <laughs> I can go out and have a good game here. Uh, whether that was it. But, yeah, he did look, he looked more confident and looked more like he was you know, getting involved, um, kept going as well. What uh, did Kundal, you make? Oh, sorry. I, liked, I was going to say I liked Kundal. I thought he kept the ball well. Nice. So just pretty, just keeps it moving, doesn't he? Keeps, keeps it moving. Um, gets it into the right areas as well. Like, he doesn't waste passes. He sort of puts them into... Like I say, feeds people in dangerous areas at the right times. And uh, yeah, but he didn't really give the ball away at all to, to what I can remember. So for a guy who's, I say, first time in with new teammates and that, I think when he is settled he, in the final third and go forward, he could turn to be a real asset. Yeah, I'm, I'm keen to see what he does and whether he stays in that exact position. It's... Um... I'm just it's just exciting, isn't it? When you don't you have a player come in, sometimes you hear about players and you you know about them for years because they've been around the block, you know what to expect. I think with Kundal, I just don't, and I actually really like the fact that I don't, and I don't think most people know what to expect from him. You know, we've seen his stats. I think what was it, scored four, uh, assisted five or something like that. Um again, like I said to you last week, like none of our other players have got stats like that, I'm sure. So, you know, he's clearly got quality. So I'm looking forward to seeing where we go with him. I think it's only going to be good. You know, I do think he's going to be permanent. I think the loan was purely FFP-related. I don't think there was anything, any more to that at all. I think why else would you take him from Plymouth, where even still, arguably, he was he was still going to be playing the same type of way. You know, they're not going to rip up the, the book and, and start playing a different way just because he leaves. So clearly they think there's a deal to be done with us in the summer, if not already pre-agreed. Yeah, well, as it happens, Port um, Vale are the uh, people who have been negative, negatively affected by that deal, aren't they? Because they've had Alfie Devine ripped from them and sent to Plymouth to cover Luke Condal's departure. Um, yeah. <laughs> so sorry about that. Um, I What about the free kick? Fantastic free kick from Baker, wasn't it? I don't think if he'd have picked it with his hands, gone over to the goal 
and like placed it in where he wanted to. I don't think he could have got it any further than the top corner then, could he? It was just a tap in that was Dan. <laughs> yeah. Um I, just Baker is he doesn't do tap ins though, does he? Do you ever see <laughs> no. Baker scoring from six yards out? Like the no. guy either has a thirty yard pile driver or you know a free kick like that. I mean it's it's obvious who's going to be taking the free kicks from that one. But yeah, he's you can just see though that that's confidence that is. That's pure and utter confidence, and he's he's confidence in his own ability, the confidence in how he's playing. Uh, I yeah, I just I just love Baker. I, I think he's brilliant. When when we've got the Lewis Baker on form, you know there are there are very few midfielders who are as good as him in this division when when he's on form. And I I genuinely do think he's going to next season. It's going to be Baker, Berger, maybe Condom. That could be the constant three uh, in in that middle, which. It just wets the appetite a little bit, doesn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, Juno as well. Um, it, again, I'm talking about like that core three, and then Juno's a bit more further forward, isn't he? But if you were just looking at like your solid three midfielders um, taking Juno out and taking the attacking midfield element out, that's not a bad base then to work on. So I think that's a really exciting midfield potentially. Yeah, and like I say, you have got flexibility and people who can move about. Like I say, Juno can play on the wing or he can come drop and play centre of field. He's played both recently. Uh, depends what their options. I suppose you've got further up and what the game plan is. Um, I think, it's funny because we were only saying last week, weren't we, there's no goal of the season contenders, really. <laughs> and then there you go. whips that in there. So, yeah, straight straight there. Yeah, whole mobby here, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, there's also, have you seen, there's been a few videos that they're doing the rounds. Um like, you know, I think there was the Stoke fan one there who he, he was filming it and he said, oh, I've got a notification through, you know, Stoke 1-0. And then he turned the camera <laughs> and he put it in the top corner. That was a good one. I think my favourite one there was the Rotherham one. Where he's like, I think yeah. he, says, um, he says, let's smack this over and then we'll go and get a copper. <laughs> and he's like, he goes in and he just makes about three or four different noises, like, oh, groans. And I think he, he's trying his best to, like, complain about either, like, the defending or the goalkeeping. And he, in the end, he just sort of resigns himself that, like, the quality of the strike just, just means he can't. He's just like, oh, oh. <sighs> Yeah, it's one of them though. Even as even if a fan, we've been on the receiving end of some really good quality free kicks. I think about the one when we we lost to Southampton, um, and that free kick there. It was I don't think it was actually a free kick at the time, but whatever. Uh, you, you know, you sit there, you sit there as a fan, don't you? And you go, yeah, fair play. Like you, you can't do anything about that. If someone's got a bit of quality, a quality free kick, then you have to just accept it. Now, do you win and lose games off one single free kick? Very rarely. So as an opposition team, you can't turn around and go, oh, we lost that because they scored a free kick. No, you lost it because you couldn't find a way through for the rest of the match. So I, I just think, yeah, Lou, really good. Uh, I think if I'm Sam Klukas, I'm thinking, where the hell's this been? Wish I was there now. I bet that's what he was going through his mind. Well, yeah, he, he had his best to have a good game. I think he was probably one of the Rotherham's better players, if not the best player they had. Um, he sort of run out of gas, didn't he, towards the end? But yeah, he uh, he certainly put it in and tried his best, but we were just too good. I think, to be fair, it was a very professional display from Stoke, a really good away performance, wasn't it? Um, you know, they quieted the crowd down at the start, they, you know, they, they made crazy chances, got themselves in front, 
and then just stayed solid. I think second half, the way they, you know, they moved the ball around and saw the game out really well, really professional. Like I say, they really confident in having it. You know, they were they were all happy to receive the ball, all happy to have it. There was no sort of major nerves. Uh, obviously, you know, rather than had the odd opportunity, but that's just the championship. You know, <laughs> that is going to happen. But Stoke, I thought Stoke minimised them really well. Um, I know people say it's only Rotherham, but you know, better teams than Stoke by league position or anything else have gone to Rotherham and not managed to come back with three points. So the fact that well, we have that's what we said. That's what we said once on the last part. Yeah. Like don't, if anyone thinks we're gonna go there and win four, five, six nil, you're deluded. Because they, they they are far, far too good at home for that. And they, they proved it. I mean, we Again, I think we deserve the win. You look at the, you know, look at the stats, Dan, and I think I can't, I can't remember now exactly, but I know we had just I think one or two shots more than them. There actually wasn't that many shots in the game. I think it was a game that was played very much around that that middle mm. position. You know, we we tried to force it a few times, had more possession, and actually won a game with more possession as well, which was unusual. Um, but normally those games, and if you think about it, like. Those games against with Alex Neal and Michael O'Neill and all that, previously we would have lost that one nil or very most drawn nil nil. We wouldn't have found that breakthrough. Um so it's just great that we've got rid of that because Rotherham killed us the other season, didn't they? What was it like? We had twenty five shots, they had one and scored and won one nil. Like I mean, again, it's just great to get over that and again it wasn't the most amazing game, but we got what we deserved just about, I think. Yeah, and I think like if if Baker's Pickett doesn't go in, it's no not half time. Judging off that half time and how professional we were in the second half, I think we would have clipped the gears off a little bit and probably would have won the game in the second half. The thing yeah. is we didn't need to go out and win the second half because we'd already done the job in the first and we just did it like say a professional job of one nil. And and yet, like I say, at some point in the last few years, that game either they we conceded an equalizer late on or um, you know, there was a defensive error, we wouldn't have scored and we would have, like say, lost 1-0, 2-0-0. So it's onwards and upwards. <laughs> um, two little things I just want to mention before we get to the man of the match. Uh, Tyus Campbell back. Obviously, he only had a little run out towards the end, uh, but it's 150th Stoke appearance. So well done to Ty. Uh, only his 10th appearance this season. They make 31 games we've played. He's only had six starts and four sub appearances so far. So hopefully... He can have a little bit of a run now, like these last, what have we got, 19 games left? If he can get, well, get, keep himself fit and uh, hopefully Stephen Schumacher can, you know, get get something out of him in the last few months of the season. Well, we'll talk We'll talk about teams uh, for the weekend in a bit, but he's in my team. I th- I think he's going to, we, we know how good Tyrese can be. We we, we, we all get that. Uh, I think Vidigal's going to be better on the left. I can see him, I, I'm conscious of going too far ahead, but I, I, I can see him playing at the weekend. Let's just leave it there and I'll come back to it in a bit. <laughs> uh, the other one was um, just one more thing from Berger. I mean, I, you could pick out your Berger highlight of the week. Mine for this week, and he, he got the ball off the defence and there was like the two rather midfielders, one either side, and he just drove through the middle of them, sprinted the ball about 30 yards and he didn't even look and with his left foot just clipped this inch-perfect ball from one side of the pitch to the other, like from the middle of the pitch perfectly into like Vidigal's feet, like about 40 yards away. He never even looked that way at any point and I was like, the guy is just something else at the minute. He is literally walking on air at the minute, isn't he? He's, he's 
Yeah, he's, uh, he's amazing. But yes, what do you uh, what do you think about him being captain? I mean, that's the a curse think, at this club, to be honest. But I, yeah, I think he's relishing it. I think he's bringing the best out of him. He seems to have the respect of the players. Um, he seems to be accountable for things. He's not. I think he makes other people accountable as well, but not in a negative way. Because I think some captains he can. I think especially these days, things have changed. They're not. You know, I don't think the Roy Keane style of captaincy, or you know, where you go around and you absolutely rip into someone and roll them. I don't think that really works with this generation of, of footballers. I think you have to do it a certain way, and I think he seems to have buy-in from the squad. I think the rest of the squad respect him and respect him as a leader, as a footballer, as well as a leader on the pitch. And I think it's boding really well at the minute. I think it's bringing the best out of him and also uniting the squad when we're out there. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, he's only going to get better as well, let's be honest. I, I, I can't Again, I can't wait next season when these when we've got maybe another couple of quality players, him, Baker and another, plus you know the likes of Juno potentially. It's going to be bloody potentially very tasty if we can keep them all fit. <laughs> very, very, very tasty. I'll have to start breaking out the uh, the little video where that tastes like promotion every time. <laughs> I do love that video. I know. I mean, I put it in the group chat for Messenger today, and I was like, I know we're not getting a promotion because when we announced the, um, no doubt you'll mention it, but the uh, person coming from Plymouth again, uh, like I put it in there, and I was like, it just makes me smile every time, and that's good enough <laughs> for me. There's enough doom and gloom in this world. Smile when you can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, just before we get to the Man of the Match poll, let's just listen to Matt, our Rotherham supporting friend, uh, and his, his his views on the match. 1-0 was probably, a, well, not probably about it. Was a, it was a fair result. I don't think it was a game that will live long in anybody's memory for any type, kind of excitement, particularly, or quality. There was one, one moment of quality in the entire game, uh, and that was obviously the free kick, which was... No keeper the world stopping that. It's a stunning free kick, inch perfect. Um, and you've got to just take a hat off and say that was a really, really, really brilliant goal. Was it a free kick? I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure. I haven't, I haven't watched it back, but but there's a lot of talk that it potentially wasn't. But we did know near enough to yeah, certainly win the game. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think we had a shot on target. When you're at home, is not ideal unless you're playing one of the big sort of big teams like Leicester and Leeds in this league to not put a bit of pressure on the opposition is is very very disappointing um, it felt pretty easy for, for you guys defence uh, didn't trouble the defence that lasted once uh, they were happy sort of knocking around we weren't able to put any pressure or didn't put the press on um, so it made it very 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 easy when we when we had the ball we didn't look after it and we still looked after it pretty well um, other than the goal I don't think Stoke particularly bothered us too much I thought we defended okay well, it feels like we defended okay. Whether it was just two teams that didn't didn't play very well, I'm not sure. But it felt like we defended okay. Uh, other than when we started pushing uh, towards the end of the game, um, a very very frustrating afternoon for us. You look at you know we're playing a team in sort of the bottom third of the division, sort of at home, and we're sort of thinking, right, let's put a bit of pressure on, let's be aggressive. You never know what's going to happen. Even though you guys are on a really good run of form, you never know what can happen. And for our, we just didn't. We obviously tried, and I'm not going to say the players didn't try, they obviously did. Um, but it was such a comfortable game for for stuff for you guys. I, 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 that's not really, well, that's going, that's not going to keep us up. Those kind of performances from us are not going to keep us up. Uh, no disrespect, we're, we're going to we're going to play. We've got a few more teams to play at home, uh, which are in the playoffs, around the playoffs, and things like that. Where you struggle, start to struggle from our point of view, where you're going to pick up those points. 
um, if we if that's how we're going to play. Um, we're not going to win every, not going to expect to win every game, but I certainly expect a better performance than that from our point of view. Um, on you guys, I thought there's something there. There's a lot of style, looks pretty on the ball, knock it around pretty nicely. Uh, lack a little bit of substance, but obviously that's I suspect that's obviously why the change of managers come in. Uh, and that's what what Schumacher will probably try and bring in a bit more oomph going forward. I thought actually it was a pretty easy, relatively easy game for our defence. I, th- I think. Um, but that might be giving our defence a bit of a disservice because they maybe think that maybe played well. Um, but yeah, good luck for the rest of the season. Uh, unlikely we'll speak again next year, but you never know. Strange things happen. We'll staying up from from here, but um, yeah, good luck for the rest of the season, lads. Cheers for that, Matt. Well, um, well, one person smiling was Lewis Baker. Then he got our man on the match board as well. So 60% of the votes he got. His second man of the match in three starts after his long layoff. Uh, he's particularly looking great. Uh, second was Walter Berger, 21% of the vote. Incidentally, Baker and Berger have shared the last six man of the matches. Um, yeah, he's now on to 450 points for the season. Berger is now a player of the season, which is 195 ahead of, uh, at the top of the standings. Uh, so, yeah, he's sort of romping away with that, isn't he? And third place was Daniel Everson. League debut, win, clean sheets, 5% of the vote. Uh, other people got a vote. Kundal, uh, Jordan Thompson, Rose, Vidigal, Hoover, McNally. So, yeah, nicely spread about. Plenty of people impressing. Um, shall we head into the news section? Aye. Right, so under-18s. Last week, they lost 3-1 away at Liverpool. Oli Challoner levelled before half-time, but the goals at the start and end of the second half won the game for Liverpool. It's the fourth loss in the row for the under-18s. It's disappointing run of form. Uh, this week, they've got no game scheduled for this weekend. At this point, uh, Everton at home on Saturday the 27th is our next planned game. Now, the under-21s, what a result they had this week. So, they won 5-1 against Manchester City. Now, I will say Manchester City do sit bottom of the league. I think they play a lot of the younger players ahead of where they uh, age should be. So they have a very young side of this level. However, to go and beat them 5-1 is still fantastic. Uh, ben Wilmot, Tyrese Campbell played the first half. So you think, oh, well, they obviously made the difference. Tyrese Campbell even set up Will Smith for Stoke's first goal. Well, in fact, at half-time, the score was 1-1. It was only the second half after those two had gone off that we really kicked into gear. Nathan Lowe got himself a hat-trick. Um, one of the goals set up by a strike partner, Emre Tezgal. And Liam McCarran also got a goal towards the end. So, yeah, 5-1 victory. This week, West Ham United away. So, Friday the 26th, uh, 7pm. West Ham is second in the league, although Stoke have won their last four. And now now 12th in the 26-team division. So I think the top 16 are the ones that get into the next sort of round of this competition, where it becomes, I think, a bit more of a knockout. And yeah, we're now up to 12th. So yes, we're getting ourselves, solidifying ourselves you know, the, the places. So, you know, the I, th- I don't think anyone can underestimate that. 5-1 against Man City. Like, though that club has money coming out of every potential orifice there is available. Like... <laughs> That they they've got the ability to you know, get people from all over the country, the best talent, and apparently have got some of the best talent. So for us, lot to go there and you know, well carry on the unbeaten run, but also not just beat them, but absolutely smash them. I think that shows gives a lot of credit to our 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 youth setup for sure. Shows the kind of talent we've probably got going on there. You just hope that now 
Man City don't come in and try and steal any players off us thinking that they've actually got better players in our youth ranks than their own. Uh, I, ju- I just think, yeah, people don't underestimate just how big that is. We don't have that pull as Man City do, but we still beat them comfortably. Yeah, I mean, you can think the Man City side are quite young. I mean, Tascal's 18, um, obviously Lowe's 18, Will Smith, I think, is 17, so maybe 18. Um, I think we got uh, Jaden Dixon, and we had Jaden Dixon centre-back. He's just 17. So we've not exactly got an old under-21 side out there ourselves, you know what I mean? So, yeah, we were... Um, I think we have to... Yeah, yeah, you just said that. You summed up pretty well. You, you can't underestimate the the importance and also the confidence boost the lads will get from, you know, imagine the swagger they were all walking into the <laughs> the building in the day after. Like, you know, we beat Man City 5 on last night, you know, standard. St George's Park, Gareth Southgate was watching. <laughs> no. What um, about the likes of, you know, Tez Gallen Lowe though, mate? I mean, we, we, we know how good those lads can be and I know a bit of injuries, Tez Gall's hopefully learned from his lesson and obviously Lowe, great player as we know. I mean, I still, and I understand people's excitement when, when we talk about them as well, but I think Nathan Lowe's looked, um, he's looked a little bit out of his depth, and I think that might be a little bit harsh when he's come in. I don't think he's had great service, but at the same time, I think both of them really probably need to go out on loan. I still think keep them around the club. They don't send them out now. Keep them at the club for the rest of the season. Let Schumacher get a really good look at them. But beyond that, I still think loaning them out is probably the right way to go. I'm not quite sure they're ready yet. If, if I'm honest, in terms of championship football, who knows? They might be. Like They might be. But for me, Lowe just hasn't shown enough to to force out the likes of, you know, Ryan May and, and, other, and other players that no doubt we're going to bring in in the summer. I think a loan's going to be best, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think definitely Lowe could do with a loan move. Um, you know, maybe somewhere League One, League Two. If even if he went now, he got himself. You know, I said like nearly twenty games left. If he went out and played a dozen games between now and the end of the season, and I, I think what it is, is he needs to. It sounds old-fashioned in that he just needs to get knocked around a bit. I think if he goes out there and the sense, if you put him up now against like some of the best centre backs in this division, some of the big units that play in there as well. They'll eat him for breakfast, don't they? I think if he goes out there, he'll learn. He'll, he'll learn how to get the best out of his game when he's got big, imposing centre backs on his back. As, yeah, I, I, so I imagine Tezgal in that position, and I, I agree. I just think he'd be knocked all over the place. I don't well, know really if the championship these days. I know. I know people say, "Oh, Michael Owen," but I'm not comparing him to Michael Owen. But when Michael Owen was on his form, like that game. I think suited him because you know you could be that big man little man combo with say him and Crouchy or something like that but I just think you're right with the way that this division is it's a physical game now I genuinely do not think he couldn't be the main man at the front let's be honest so where'd you play him? It's funny with Tesco because if you remember back to when we went Notts County I know this was a friendly I know they'd only just been promoted and all that but he came up against two real big, tough centre-backs that day, don't they, that were willing, even in a pre-season family, to kick him to bits. That's, that's, you know, they saw him within the first five, ten minutes. I remember we said, we turned to each other, don't we, because we went that game, and we said, you know what, he, he's he's too lightweight, he's too... And within 10, 15 minutes, I think we then changed and gone, look how quick he's learned. 
look how quick he's understood what's happened and he's he's altered his game. He, he's dropped in a little bit deeper. He's he's moving the ball. He's expecting the contact. He knows what's coming and he's making allowances for it. And he had a really good game that day. I was we we both come away thought oh he's really impressed. He, he, we could maybe we can use him a bit more this year. And obviously yeah, he, he, sort of curtailed him. I just feel he's that. I think he's obviously a very, very talented footballer. I think that comes from his cleverness and his ability to adapt. And I think a lot of, when you say the real, I'm not saying he's an, you're an elite footballer, he's going to have the, but yeah, he, the real top footballers, a lot of it is in the head, isn't it? And it's being able to adapt and it's being able to, um, you know, play the game and, you know, your brain works out at what you need to do in that split second and you, you learn and, and you adapt. And I think he shows those signs, especially for this level. I'd be interested that you might not see the best of him when you chuck him out in game one, game two, game three, where I think by by sort of, you know, game 10, 11, 12, I think you he really will have come on loads. I think you'll see a real improvement in him, but he needs to play them games. Is that why you have players go out on loan, though, to do that? And that's what Tony Pusil used to say. I'd rather him go out and make mistakes for somebody else and come back to me a better player. Things are where, where do you play him? Because again, I've just mentioned Ryan. Ryan is at a minute is dropping deep. Those little flicks, it's working really well. Tezgal is not going to be that type of player who's going to drop deep and lay balls off and then run run on the side. That I really do not think it's that mold, and I don't think Tezgal would be that person who would play that up top. You know, not target man. That's not the really word, but he wouldn't play that for, for, you know, front focal person. I think he's the type of player who would play really well with another striker alongside him. So you would say that in the current tactics, you wouldn't start him there. Maybe if you were chasing a game or you needed to approach a game a different way, maybe as part of a, a two or a three, where he's not got that responsibility on his shoulders to do all that laying off and stuff like that. That's maybe where he would do really well. But I, I certainly don't think he's he's not a replacement for Ryan May. Doesn't make a difference how much he bulks up. It's a different type of striker, isn't it? Do you not think he's that kind of player? Do you not think he's got that sort of flair and that eye no. for? Oh, flair, yeah. But I, I don't think he's got the phys- that's what I mean, like physicality. Still, yeah. I still don't think even with the physicality. He's going to play that type of a game. Well, put this way, nothing I've seen of him makes me think he will. Again, it could be wrong. He could be moulded and moved into that type of thing. But from what I've seen, that's not his game for me. I think he wants to be on the on, on the shoulder of the defender and and run at people and use his pace and use his movement. I don't think necessarily that's Ryan's job right now. So again, he might be good as a backup option in a different style, but I don't think right now you would ever put him in is a replacement for off the bench for Ryan. I don't well, think you'd see that. It's interesting because Nathan Lowe mentioned after the game, after that game, the under-21s, that he played the first half when Ty played. He was um, he was playing on the wing, like Nathan Lowe was playing on the wing. Yeah. And I think Ty played down the middle. And I imagine then that Emery would have played on the other wing. Um, I wasn't there, so I don't know for sure. But obviously, I've only got... Uh, obviously that and then obviously Nathan Lowe said he, he said oh it's been a while since I played that wide but I enjoyed it obviously and then I came in the middle second half played down the middle scored a hat-trick so you think if obviously if could it be that either of them that's where they play more games obviously they're going to be young they're going to be full of energy so they're going to be wanting to get back help out defensively as well in them in them areas but going forward I suppose especially Tesco I think he's 
technically good enough to play out the wing. I think he you know, he's, he's got enough um, about him to to beat a man. I think he's got enough pace about him to beat a man, and he can. Uh, he's also I imagine he's, you know he's got the, the footwork for it and everything as well. Okay, interesting. What put, we'll put a pin yeah. in that one and we'll, we'll watch yeah, it. Well, it'd be an interesting one to come back to in the summer, maybe if after he's maybe got a few minutes. Um, but anyway, back to the new section. So just round off the team. So the women last week they won seven one away at Hednesford in the Staff Senior Cup quarterfinal. So got a couple of goals for Jordan. Then we had Logan Holder, Thompson, Leak, and Lily Murphy also on the score sheet this week. Uh, quick turnaround back, back into cup action again for the semi final. So Sunday two p.m. at the Emory Stadium. It's Sporting Calcio women. Uh, they won the repeat of last season's final, which Stoke won on penalties. And I believe it's something like 13 years in a row we've won this competition. So, yeah, we'll be looking to uh, add it to the trophy cabinet yet again. So, uh, news. Junior Chamadu Watch came on as a sub for Cameroon in their 1-1 draw against Guinea. Um, this, week, uh, this week, he's got Friday 5pm. They play Senegal, and the last group game is against Gambia on Tuesday, 5 p.m. kickoff. Uh, Martin Patterson, remember him, Mike? Well, he's taken over the reins at Burton as manager, so he's only 36. Really? Yeah, so he's only 36, uh, but apparently he's already got eight years as an assistant manager been in, the, in America, and then recently he's been assistant manager to Michael Duff at both Barnsley and Swansea. So now he's uh, he's. Got himself a job, full-time manager at, at uh, Burton. So, yeah, he's the uh, second Stokey to get a job in League One and two recently because um, Charlie Adam recently took over at play Fleetwood. That was the one. Oh, thank you then. <laughs> so, yeah, Charlie Adam took over at Fleetwood, didn't he, as manager as well. So, yeah, Stokey's uh, from the Pewley theory, starting a bit like Fergie did, didn't he, Alex Ferguson? He, all his sort of players started becoming managers and that. The, the Tony Pulis acolytes, if you like, are starting to take managerial jobs now. Yeah, good luck to him. Yes. Um, so, transfer-wise, Stephen Schumacher says he wants a striker, but says it'll take time to do the right deal. So I think that's one, again, we'll just have to wait and see on, aren't we? Uh, Tommy Simkin has joined Forest Green on loan. So they are bottom of League Two, but he did make his debut in the 2-0 home loss to Harrogate. Uh, Troy Deeney threw a couple of players under the bus after that match and then quickly apologised. Uh, Tommy Simkin wasn't one of them, though. Uh, but Tom, what he was doing when he signed him was saying that he knew about him, he's known about him for a while, um, what a fantastic goalkeeper he is. And he hinted in his words, made it sound like we were... Um, Looking to to make Simkin our number one next season. Should be very interesting if that's where we see him. Yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye on it. I, I, we all know how good Simkin can be, but I, I I agree with the loan. I think I think it's the right thing for him. He's he probably wasn't going to play. He's not. You mentioned the other week. He's not going to learn an awful lot uh, sitting on our bench, really. So yeah, the right decision. Yeah, and uh, obviously one goalkeeper departing the club. And we've actually got another goalkeeper coming in. So this one's gone a little bit under the radar, hasn't it? It's not sort of been mentioned as much. Uh, but yeah, 22-year-old goalkeeper. He's been on trial. And uh, yeah, now he's, he's signed full-time. It's Scott Morris. So he's a New Zealand under-23 international. Uh, he's been playing for Christchurch United in New Zealand. Come over, had a trial. 
and they've given him a contract. So he's got 18 month contract, I believe. So yeah, add him into the mix. So what's that now? We've got um, Everson, Bonham, uh, Morris, Simkin, Blondie, and then your best mate. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, um, this spells the end for Blondie and it spells the end for Fielding for me. Simple as that. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see Fielding go into a coaching position, not necessarily with Stoke. <laughs> He's already but, there, isn't he? <laughs> well, yeah, what else is he bloody doing? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's. I think this spells the end for Blondie without a shadow of a doubt. We've always said, though, unfortunately for him, he's just not ever going to be a championship goalkeeper. Um, but all, all, all the best to him for, for his career. I'm sure he'll find a place. But this, I think this, this is everything. If he's bringing him in and, you know, he's probably going to be ahead of, of Blondie and certainly Frankie Fielding, it, I think that, I think Blondie for his own sake will probably want to move on as well. Yeah. Um, other transfer news, transfer not happening, just just in case anyone was wondering, it's not going to happen. Uh, Plymouth right back, Kane Kessler Hayden was recalled by Aston Villa. Don't worry though, we're not signing another right back. I know we, I know the uh, the well trodden path from Plymouth to Stoke in recent times. He's not coming. He's being recalled to Villa because they need a backup for Matty Cash. So he's actually going to be staying at Aston Villa. So Plymouth fans, you can calm down. You're not going to be screaming at us for nicking him because it's not happening. However, <laughs> what you can come and scream at us for is the fitness coach, who apparently is on his way over. So Elliot Turner, head of fitness and conditioning at Plymouth, a man who Plymouth fans have said is responsible for a lot of their last-minute winners they've had in recent times, he has apparently served his notice at Plymouth and is on his way to the Bet365 Stadium to join up with Stephen Schumacher at Stoke. Has that been announced yet, or is that just off the back of what we were told? That that is I said, the word. The key word there, Mike, is apparently. <laughs> okay, fine. I thought we'll, we'll take it. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's not um, been released, but we have it on authority. Whether it will turn out to be true. Uh, yes, he is uh, apparently on his way to the Bet365. I mean, one thing I would say, Dan, about the whole transfer situation, I saw like some comments on Twitter, and I responded to one of them, but I'm not going to, I haven't got all day to, to, to keep going back to different transfer things. I think there's a lot of people having a little bit of a whinge. Why are we taking so long to sign X, Y, and Z? We need a left back, we need striker, we need all that. I mean, we all know that. January and it's horrible, uh, not horrible, but we hear it every winter that you know January is difficult, it's expensive, and I think that's that's simple because it is. Like I said on the reply, we're not going down, and we're certainly not going to be going up, and I think that that's fact. Like we, we we're all enjoying the football at the minute, it's great, but quite simply, I think we'd all take anything above where we've been finishing for the last five years. We've got to accept that we don't desperately need to act. So I can see him, unless the deal is is really good, we're not going to sign a big prolific striker in January because we haven't got the money to do so. We are going to maybe see someone who's maybe a younger striker or if a striker comes in at all, I would be surprised this window. But let's just keep a powder dry until the summer. More choice, cheaper. You know, players wanting to to jump ship because they've had a crap season this year, they haven't played. I just think people need to calm down a little bit. 
don't panic. There's no need to. We're not bottom three. We're not going to be bottom three. I think we've, I think we've got, we've seen more than enough to get away from that. So I just think, it's not me put my hands at calm down, chill out, wait till the summer. If we sign anything in this window, fine. But we don't need to. It's not an essential thing for me anyway. I think the, the key to remember as well is for anyone who comes in, we've got to get somebody out. We've we've used 33 players this season, which is more than anybody in the championship. Now, at the minute, I think this week we've got Stevens coming back. Uh, John O will be back. Um, who's the other one who's recently been injured? He missed the game last week. Um, obviously, obviously Ty's now fit. Uh, Wilmot's back fit. Literally, I, I don't think... I think we've got a clean bill of health. And... Oh, Gooch, Gooch is back. So it's like everybody's going to be fitter, maybe, maybe because everybody's there. Maybe Stephen Schumacher's looking at it and thinking, I'm not sure I can bring too many more faces into this already quite bloated group until I've got a couple out, unless there's bids coming in and people want to come in. Oh, Josh Loren obviously is missing. But other than that, like I say, he's probably thinking, I don't know, if I bring somebody in, it's only, it's pushing somebody else down and I, is he ready to give up on someone to the point where he brings in a player who knocks somebody off the bench? You know, unless it's maybe a Gale or a Wesley or someone like that who's like, well, they're going to leave at the end of the season. I've, you know, I've, 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 I'm moving on. I'm thinking ahead. Is, is, is he, you know, is, is there a need, a need to bring them in? Um, no. Yeah, like I say, I, I just, you know, if we didn't, if we signed maybe one more player or something, that's not the end of the world for me. I think we've got a, say, a big enough squad and I think we've got a new manager who needs to to see what he needs to see in them, to be honest. And don't forget, like, we've got Gooch and Stevens. Like, you know, both of them players are back from injury, which we'll talk about in a minute. But both of them are back from injury this weekend. Like, yeah. we've got the full-back positions covered again then. So it's not we're not desperate at all, I don't no. think, right now. Junior comes back. You've got competition Junior, there right you go. Got competition right back, competition left back. We've now got competition centre off. Maybe we could do with another centre back. Um, yeah. I know Zebi apparently is looking for a club. He's not getting the game time at Ipswich because they've had that great run. He's not been able to get inside, but he's been fit for a while. Why these? Why they were playing a right back? I, I, I don't bother. It's up to them. It's up to Kieran McKenna. He's obviously a better manager than I am, but whatever. <laughs> um, you know. If somebody like that comes in, if he can get it done on a cheap deal and, and wages, whatever, especially because you, you know if he's not available, you've got other players there. Uh, but we'll have to, like I say we'll just wait and see. Um, one just just around the section off, then and we'll get into the nitty gritty of Birmingham. Not Wayne Rooney's Birmingham anymore, unfortunately. Damn it. Um, but yes, at least not to listen to that crap anymore. Wayne Rooney's Birmingham. Thank God that's oh no, over. I've set him off. I've set him off. You've sorry, set me sorry. off, mate. You, you, you've tri- you, you fed the beast. Honestly, I, I was so <laughs> happy. Like I was watching Sky Sports the other day, and all they kept not all the day, obviously a week or so ago. And again, I'm off on a rant here, right? Uh, it was you know every time they went back to a report. Oh, Wayne Rooney's Birmingham are losing. Like, why did I bring Wayne Rooney into all the time? <laughs> anyway, anyway, he's gone. I never have to mention that guy ever again, so let's move on. <laughs> Can you imagine, imagine how difficult it would have been working as a Sky Sports news reporter if Wayne Rooney's Birmingham were playing Frank Lampard's derby? Oh, my God, no. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, uh, on the, any other business, 19th of January, so the, game, the day this podcast comes out, the day before we play Birmingham, 
marks 50 years since Alan Hudson's debut for Stoke. So, obviously, I never saw Alan Hudson play. You never saw Alan Hudson play. But we are reliably informed by anyone who did that he is probably the most gifted player of the last, you know, he's up there with Stanley Matthews, if not above him for some people, in that how good a footballer he was. And, you know, one of the best players to ever pull on the red and white shirt. And apparently that debut is still talked about now as one of the best performances ever seen in a Stoke shirt. Apparently Liverpool were like, as they are, have always really been at this sort of elite club. And he just absolutely pulled them apart on himself. So I just thought it was worth mentioning, uh, let's say 50 years to the day. Right, shall we get into Birmingham? Birmingham. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So then, Birmingham at home, just a few weeks after we played them away. Uh, so yes, we will delve into some stats. So this will be the 111th meeting between the two sides. We currently have 45 wins, 26 draws and 39 defeats. At home, though, we have played 56 times and have won a whopping 31 occasions, 14 draws and just 11 defeats. Uh, Boxing Day, though, was the first win over Birmingham in seven matches and only the third time we beat them in the last 21 meetings. So recent form isn't great against the Blues. Uh, and Stoke will actually be looking for their first double over Birmingham since the 1987-88 season. Uh, since then, Birmingham have done the double over Stoke on three occasions. So, yeah, it, uh, couldn't have done the double over them since then because this was the first time we'd won at St Andrews, wasn't it, since then? If you remember rightly. Uh, Stephen Schumacher. So, yeah, he's uh, faced Tony Mowbray on one occasion. The only game being a 2-0 home win for Plymouth in November of last year. Stephen Schumacher against Birmingham. He's met them three times. He has two wins and a defeat. Uh, a win and a defeat this season after a loss at St Andrews in August with Plymouth. And then obviously his first victory as Stoke manager against Birmingham on Boxing Day. Uh, Tony Mowbray versus Stoke. He's had three wins, three draws and ten defeats. Although at the Bet365 Stadium, he has won three of his last five visits. Um, but he did lose 2-1 as Sunderland manager in October as well. Stokes' home record has them win 16 points, uh, 18th in the home table, that leaves them. Uh, they've actually scored less, just, just 10 goals, which is less at home than anyone else in the league. So, yeah, it's a bit of a depressing fact, that one, isn't it, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and tell you, what, you, you can feel it, though, can't you, as well? Yeah, I mean, Schumacher's come and we've had two good games under, but we've still not managed to score. Yeah. <laughs> even, he, he, even he isn't that good yet. <laughs> um, Birmingham's away record, they have them eight, eight points. 
and 21st in the away table. Uh, so they have only one away win, which is at Cardiff, in 12 since mid-August. So yeah, they're not, not the greatest on the road, it seems. Seeing the hard game on paper could have well have been the one uh, the one boxing there that we won. But anyway, last five matches, Stoke have nine points, which puts them seventh in the form table. Uh, nobody's conceded less in the last five games than Stoke. We've only let in two goals in that time. Uh, Birmingham, on the other hand, have three points from the last five matches, which has them 22nd in the form table. Only Blackburn, 14, have conceded more than Birmingham in the last five matches. So, two very contrast defending there, although I suppose Mowbray now has come in, Rooney's gone, and I imagine he was probably to, you know in charge for a lot of those goals flying in. Only Southampton have had more yellow cards than Stoke 69 this season. Uh, Birmingham themselves have had 65. So, uh, yeah, quite a, quite a lot of yellows flashed in you know, to the, both of these sides. And um, both have also had two red cards as well this season. Uh, Birmingham have not conceded a penalty, though, this year. Only Leicester can match that in the Championship, while Stoke have conceded three. Obviously, two scored, and then one was put high wide. And a handsome by Patrick Bamford. Um, only Leicester and Coventry have a higher save percentage than Stoke City's 73.7%. Birmingham are 14th in that table with 66.9% of sh- uh, shots on target being saved by their keeper. Now, this is interesting. It will be uh, you know, a, bit, a bit tactical here. John Ruddy has come and claimed 10.7% of crosses into his box this season, which was more than any other keeper. Stoke actually fourth but quite low at 7.6%. So quite a, a lot difference between the two. You know, it's 50% more Ruddy's doing. Yet Stoke is still like the fourth highest in the league. So it looks like he's, you know, he's, he's really, you know, quite confident coming out and claiming, you know, crosses and stuff and coming off his line. Now, interesting because Stoke have tried the second most crosses, 562 in the whole league. So we like to stick a load of crosses in and the keeper likes to come and try and claim them. So, I'd be getting bodies around him if I was you, because if he drops one, if we're going to be sticking a load of crosses in, you never know, he might you know, drop one and somebody might have an easy tap in. It uh, shows yeah. that we're probably not very clinical. I mean, we can get crosses in, but we're simply not getting on the end of them. Or are they not good crosses? Or they're not good crosses, yeah. Yeah. Um, whilst we have the second most crosses, as I said, Birmingham have had the second least 587, so they obviously attack down the middle when they do go forward. Uh, we've had the six most corners in the league, 162. Uh, Birmingham had the fourth least with just 119. Uh, but Birmingham have also given away the fourth most, 165. And Stoke given away 137 corners. Um, so, yeah, so Birmingham don't get many corners and do give a lot away. And we seem to get a lot. So, so uh, yeah, there's a bet for you for the weekend, Mike. Stoke to, Stoke to win the corners. Get on the handicap on that one. <laughs> I might have them to also concede the corners as well because we do like to concede from set pieces, especially corners, don't we? So, well, yeah, mm. but are they going to get any? According to this, they didn't get that many. Um, well, if I'm sure if they need a corner, we can give them one. You know, that's, that's how it normally goes for charity, isn't it? Now, how about this one, right? It's funny you should say that about things. So, Birmingham have made 11 errors leading to a shot at goal which is the second most in the entire division. So 11 times they made errors in defence. Uh, the other team have then gone on to get a shot at goal 
on the back of that error. Do you know the, who's given most of most of them chances away? Um, is it going to be somebody like really obscure? Uh, no, not obscure, but like some really. Is it like a really surprising team? I I think so. Okay, my first thought, and I don't know why this is wrong. Ipswich was my first thought. Leicester. a lot of goals. Leicester, okay. <laughs> On course to smash all records, but can't defend, apparently. Keep giving the opposition loads of chances, and they keep getting I'd, shots on the back of them. I think I'd take their defensive record and, uh, yeah. and record it entirely, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Poor Harry Susan can't get a game, but they keep giving the ball away. <laughs> um, Stoke... Guess how many Stoke have given away? So, so Birmingham are 11 errors, leading to shots at goal. Second most in the league. How many have Stoke done this season? Six. Given four. Oh, okay. Nice. Which actually, you know, is the 22nd. So only two teams have done less errors. So our defence, actually, we don't give the... We, we don't. I was, I'm sitting there thinking every game, I imagine that Hoover, Bonham, Rose, all giving chances away to the opposition. Apparently, that's not true. <laughs> I was going to say, despite uh, Hoover and Rosie's best efforts to, to cock up, not done bad. OK. Yeah, well, it, it, in the respect of that, uh, Hoover is what, like, he's done one, one error. <laughs> one error all season that's led to a shot at goal. I, 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 I take it, Rose must be the other one, yeah? Because I remember that one where he, he played the ball too short. Yeah. Yeah, Rose had one, Hoover had one, Johnson had one. But yeah. <laughs> All the players that have been very mediocre this season, let's but, be honest. But only once though. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's not like it's they've done it three, four, five times. It's like yeah. once in twenty odd matches. Um so yes, anyway. Uh, also the other thing to say is Birmingham try to take on defenders. So five hundred and sixty one times they've um, had a player, you know, knock the ball past the defender and try to run past him, which is the fourth most in the league. Uh, we've only done it 365 times. Only Rotherham have attempted less take-ons on Stoke. Uh, Sakiri Dembele is the man to watch for this, by the way, mate. Third most in the league, 130 times he's tried to take somebody on. Uh, only Jack Clark and Rutter at Leeds have done it more than him. And obviously Jack Clark's not a bad player at all, is he, especially? <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I think we need to be wary of that, don't we? That, like I say, Dembele loves to run at people and take people on. And maybe we need to do a bit more of it ourselves by the looks of it, because we've certainly got the players who can. Um, I mentioned Haksabanovic, didn't I, earlier on? Yeah. So, Haksabanovic is actually the, th- the third highest success rate at taking people on in the whole division. But obviously, because he hasn't played very much, he hasn't been able to do it too often. So 16 times he's tried to take a player on and 12 times he's succeeded. So 75% of the time when he knocks the knocks ball past the player, he takes on, which is miles ahead of the majority of the players in the league. I think we just need to get the, give him the ball more and give him a bit of in the areas where he can take people on because he's obviously very good at it, isn't he? See, I, see, I think that, that will probably surprise a lot of people, you know. I mean, it surprises me. I didn't think he was he was that high up on that on that ladder but hmm interesting okay well maybe I mean again I'm not criticizing I don't think he's been bad this season I just think it's been a a, you know 
a real one for him to acclimatise to and, and trying to learn different systems. Again, Alex Neal's system, Schumacher's system. Um, but that that's quite interesting. I really didn't realise he was that high up. Mm. I think if he played more, he'd probably, we wouldn't be so low in that table, would we? Um, no. But yeah, we think like, you know, we've got players here, we've got Campbell, we've got Vidigal, obviously we look at this, we've got Haksabanovic. Larice likes, you'd imagine he's a player likes to get it and run at people. But I suppose how often, especially during Alex Neal's time, did we, were we crying out at players, go past him, try to go past him. And they'd put the foot on it, turn, go sideways, go backwards. And that's all it seemed to be, wasn't it? So yeah, mate, I can I can imagine why we're so low, judging on how we played. Right, referee. So referee, that's Sam Barrett is the referee. Now, for a horrible moment, I thought it was that guy who came on and sent off Jordan Thompson the other week. I thought, why is he back <laughs> here? But no, that's not him. <laughs> um, so we're lucky we haven't got him. But yeah, 24 games, Sam Barrett's done this season. 77 yellows, three reds. He's got five penalties. 10 home wins, six draws and eight away wins. He's ref Stoke on three occasions and he's ref Birmingham on three occasions. Both teams he's given four yards to, no reds, no penalties for either side, no penalties against, so identical records. However, Stoke have won two and lost one of the three matches, whilst Birmingham have a win, a loss and a draw from their three. Uh, he ref Birmingham's 2-0 win at Bristol City in August, uh, which was two managers ago for them now, <laughs> when John Eustace was in charge, uh, whilst he ref Stoke this season in the 2-1 defeat away at Plymouth. So, Stephen Schumacher won that game, at least, didn't he? <laughs> um, he has, uh, yes, so this is his first match at reckon at the Bet365 Stadium, though. Never refed here before. Uh, so, uh, yes, hopefully he doesn't, um, you know, adhere have too much to, uh, well, annoy, should I say, the Stoke crowd too much in this game. <laughs> he sounds like a, a pretty steady Eddie to me, doesn't look like there's no, there's no real shocking stats there. Yeah, I mean, in the game at Bristol City, which they they ref Birmingham, um, he only gave Bristol City two yellow cards in that game. However, they both were to Rob Dickey, so he ended up getting sent off. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that was the only I think they were the only cards he gave, uh, especially to Bristol well, to Bristol City players. Anyway, um, on this day, Wednesday, twentieth of January, nineteen ninety three, so we were defending the Autoglass Trophy. Uh, we won it two times, we won it two times, or took Australia, we won it two times. And uh, we beat Barnet 4-1. So, yes, it, the only ever competitive meeting between the two clubs. So we then went on and beat West Brom in the next round before losing 1-0 in the quarterfinals to Port Vale. Is that I was about to say Vale. <laughs> yeah, we went on and won it themselves, uh, keeping it in Stoke-on-Trent at least. So, yes... That's your ref stats, that's your on this day, that's your match stats, uh, facts and all that business. Um, do you want the audio now and then we can have a, have a chat? Yeah, I'll have a listen to, to Graham and, and Birmingham, I guess. Yes, so we're going to hear to our friends at Birmingham, uh, Blues Focus podcast, and then we're going to listen to Graham McGarry. Hello, uh, my name is Kieran, I am from the Blues Focus podcast. Thank you for having me on today uh, for the predictions of what's going to happen ahead of Saturday's game. Um, we have been playing quite well under Tony Mowbray. Um, we've only obviously had two games, uh, 
one of them is a, a cup game. But in the league game that we played, we came into it quite positive. It was 2-2 against Swansea. Uh, we were lucky, unlucky to be 4-0 up at half-time and come out of it just about surviving in the last minute, which was... I think that at least the most deserving of a result that game could have been. We then went into the whole game uh, where I think Tony Mowbray tried a few different things. He changed and we had seven midfielders on, two defenders and one striker, which was a little bit of a different setup for us. But we looked uh, quite promising as well. And then... In the, in the end of that game, he went back to revert to what I, w- I think he will be playing against you guys. Um, and then we we pulled the game back again with a last-minute goal. Uh, so, as, as our songs say, we're Birmingham City and we'll fight to the end. And we've proved that in the first two games under Tony Mowbray. The setup I think we will be going for against Stoke will be the 4-1, 4-1 formation. Uh, which allows us a lot of fluid, fluidity up front with a lot of stability in the middle as well, um, supporting those back line. With that, we have uh, the players Koji Miyoshi, Stansfield and Dembele, who are all on supreme form this season, able to be quite fluid in between each other up the front. So I think that's where... Uh, you might need to watch out for either on counter-attacks or just their, their link-up play between them is uh, something else. We then have uh, Jordan James, who is um, more of a midfielder that would is just able to pass balls. He's on fire again this season as well. Um, so our, our front line is definitely what to watch out for. With terms of how I think the game will go, I think we're going to see a reverse of the Boxing Day game, hopefully. That's my uh, prediction. I know it was a, a close game that, in terms of statistics, but you've obviously turned out 3-1 winners. I'm going for a 3-1 Birmingham City win with uh, Birmingham finally creating chances up the front and but we've got to start putting them away i think that would be our only downfall in the game if if anything um would be not putting away chances when we have them we need to be a little bit more clinical but um i'm i'm hopeful 3-1 win i'm going and uh keep right on i hope you all have a good game and uh we'll see you on the other side Hello there, you Potters predictors. Well, we didn't get the scoreline exactly right, but we're on the right lines in terms of picking Stoke City to win at Rotherham United, which they duly did, and continue that impressive run of results under the new manager and new management team of Stephen Schumacher and his coaches. Well, they're facing another club that's got a new manager. No Wayne Rooney in the technical area at the Bet365 on Saturday afternoon, but a man who knows his way around the EFL leagues, of course, in Tony Mowbray. He's back in the game. 
and a likeable character he is as well and probably somebody that Birmingham City needs somebody with a level head and somebody who knows the game inside out can steady a very rocky boat well that's where I hope Stoke City can take advantage because it's on the pitch that matters it's not what Tony Mowbray does and Stephen Schumacher has certainly got his players doing the right things that he wants with the recent results they're going to continue that winning ways as well but it won't be quite as easy as I thought it might be if that man Mr Rooney was still in charge but he didn't look as though he was going to get the team back winning games but with Tony Mowbray there they'll become a harder team to beat just one goal in it who's going to be for the Potters Stoke 1 Birmingham 0 Cheers for that, lads, and thank you, Graham. So, where do we start with this one, Mark? It's a, it's a shame that the, like I say, the old Rooney's gone, isn't it? Uh, a little bit of uptake from Mowbray, but I suppose they couldn't really get any worse, could they? No, I think one thing that you're going to find that he's going to bring to Birmingham is is a bit of organisation, a bit of tactical know-how about how to go about games, because... I think we all saw, didn't we, when we beat them 3-1. We beat them 3-1 at a canter. I know we had similar shots and stuff on target, but I never felt under threat, really. Uh, I mean, there was that obviously that corner that they, so he somehow put wide. I still don't know how he did that uh, for Birmingham. You know, they go and score that. It might have ended up a little bit differently, but I just, I just want to remember looking back at the game and thinking how shockingly bad they were at the back. You put the pressure on, and like I said, I used the term on that pod. They folded like a pack of cards. Like they, that, that was the way to beat them. I do think that they will be harder to beat this time, just because I think Mowbray's got them a bit more firm. I spoke to the Birmingham podcast earlier on, and they were saying that they have seen a bit of an upturn in in how you know Mo, what, what, well how they're performing, but what Mowbray's doing. You know, the players who are making silly mistakes at the back before seem to have cut that out a little bit more now. So. I think it's going to be a tighter game than necessarily we probably want it to be. I still think, and I'll give you my prediction now, I still think we will beat Birmingham 3-1. I think we'll have another repeat of the scoreline, but I think necessarily wouldn't be as as easy as it felt for me on the day. So, yeah, tr- tricky game. Uh, it's going to be, you know what, I think it's going to be a really interesting one as far as uh, midfield battles go. I mean, we know how good our midfield is. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you've got like uh, Bakuna, I think it is, and obviously Dembele um, in, in their side of things. So I think that could be an interesting uh, challenge uh, going forward there. Stansfield, as we know, um, is good for a goal. So we need to try and keep him busy. And I, they, they asked me earlier on, Dan, how we could basically, what, what kind of our weaknesses were, I guess, is what they were trying to get at. Um and I think the weakness, which has been our weakness for a long time, we probably want them to come out at us. And I think when that happens, we will probably do well and we can hit them on the break and use the pace and use the quality we've got. I think the worst thing we could possibly do is to go and concede early because we all know that they could then just dig in. Whether they've got the defensive quality to keep us out, I would, I would probably argue they may not have, but we know that we just and not break teams down at home. So we really need to get that first goal. If we go on the front foot, we get the first goal, we'll win that game just because they will they will leave gaps. And, and like I said, I don't think they've got enough quality. Sanderson, who, we, who Stoke almost signed in the summer, like he looks awful to me. Now, whether he sorted himself out, I don't know, but 
I aren't worried about their team. I think I say we keep Dembele quiet, keep Stansfield quiet. They will not score a goal. Yeah, I think Stanfield is, is the key man in for them. Was it eight goals this season? He scored mm. against us on Boxing Day, and he just seems to be buzzing about. I know he came on the play on Tuesday night in the FA Cup match. Also, uh, they came from behind to beat Hull, but I think Hull are quite depleted at the minute as well. And I looked at the side, and I thought, just let's look if he's, you know, are they going to be playing, you know, just a few days before? And I think they made quite a lot of changes, and then, you know, they were about 25 minutes to go, you know, they, they had a lot of work to do to to win that game. And they made, he made five substitutions at the same time, with, uh, like I say, about half an hour to go, and basically just brought on all the big guns. And uh, Stanfield scored one and then set up the winner uh, for um, for another one of the substitutes uh, in, in injury time. And you just sort of stand stuff. I would have preferred them to have started that match and played the full 90, I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, but the fact that they've actually come out there, I mean, I suppose it, it's what, you know, the physicality of playing and running and playing an extra match is balanced off by coming from behind to win a game, progressing the cup and having the confidence there. So six or one and a half a dozen of the other for me, you know, the effects of, of that game. And so, you know, if we, yeah. uh, I think like you say, if we get the first goal, then they may feel their legs a little bit more if they're chasing the game and we can keep the ball well, a bit like we did against Rotherham, make them keep running and chasing. Um, but let's like say if they get the first goal, then that confidence that they've got from the midweek could just, you know, blossom even further for them, come to it and really help. Um, one thing we should be having, though, is a bumper crowd. Ticket offering, season ticket holders uh, can have as many tickets as they want, £10 adults, £5 concessions. Um, so expect probably a bumper crowd. There's 23,000 there, apparently, for the Ipswich game on New Year's Day. So, you know, the Birmingham, I think, have pretty much sold out the away end. So it could... Yeah, with another ticket off, we might not be far off that that twenty three thousand mate. Hope so. I think everyone's in good spirits. I think if if we're going to fill a, a gate, down I mean, if you can't do it with seven games undefeated, then you know you can't really do it at the best of times. So I think, yeah, I think it'll be. I think it'll be a good good attendance, mate. I think everyone will be, will be feeling confident, and I, I'm just, I think the the team sheet will be intriguing for me this week, Dan. I just yeah we, we know we got we know we got Gooch back obviously we've got um, obviously Hoover could potentially play at full back we've got Stevens who you know he he name dropped in the actual press conference so is he going to go Ender Stevens at left back Gooch at right potentially would he then drop Kiana will he not think that Gooch and Ender are are ready so well does that mean that you know Ender goes left back and. You know, Henry keeps his place at right back and Gooch is on the bench. But then Gooch did really well down the left-hand side for him for those few weeks. Thompson's been really good, so he that means he would have to be dropped, probably, to, to make way because you, know, you can't have Berger, Baker and you know, uh, Kundal as well as Juno. So it, there's so many interesting combinations. And, I mean, if as a manager, I guess they, they like that. Um, but... As an opposition of Birmingham, you probably haven't got a clue what we're going to do until two o'clock on on Saturday. Yeah, he's got a plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. <laughs> Makes a change, doesn't it? What, what's the team? Well, it's filtered through, get the filing cabinet out. Right, plan A A Z. That's the one. <laughs> this is that lineup. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. You know, it must be a nightmare for opposition managers when, especially when you've got different players with different styles, different attributes, different um, you know positives to their game and strengths and weaknesses as well. And so it's it's how do you expose them players? So yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Like say, how we see the team she comes down. Does John Ho come back in? If so, is it Kundal who makes way? Is it Vidigal? Does Tyrese come back yeah. in? Does Haksabanovic get dropped to fit in Vidigal, you know, Campbell and May? I mean, I, I, I can't. I mean, I, I don't know if I can give you a team because I haven't got a flipping clue which way he's going to go. And I wonder, you know, I mean, I always wonder with this with managers, do they know at this point during that week or are they still, I don't quite know yet? And I, I think... would love to know. I think they probably know 85% of the side days in advance, yeah. I would say. I can make maybe one or two positions maybe get decided on fitness or um, how people use training better, for example. But I think well before they could probably name you know, eight or nine players in the team sheet at least. Yeah, a few days before, and uh, with this one, it's like you say. There's there's so many options, I and mean, what's starting mean, for me? If we we just beat them a few weeks ago, I know they had a different manager and that, but you'd you'd stick out as close to that team as you as you could, wouldn't you? Surely. Um, to 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 a certain extent, I mean, it's certainly not Jack Bonham. He can do one. Oh, yes. Um, so I, I mean, I'll, I'll give him a team then anyway. So I'll go Iverson and goal. I'm going to go Gooch at left back slash left wing back, whatever you want to bloody call it. Um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go, in fact, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Scrap that. I'm going to go Ender Stevens um, at oh, left back. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking just a little bit of fitness. That's all I'm thinking that Gooch might not be 100%. And just the fact that he, I know he name dropped both of them, but he was the first one that he mentioned. So I'm just going to punt for the fact that, you know, Ender's probably been back in training for a bit. Um, and realistically, he's probably seen him a little bit more than Gooch. So, uh, yeah, Ender Stevens at left back. Uh, two centre-backs, it's going to be uh, McNally and Wilmot. And then right back is going to be Kiana. I still think he'll put him in it right. Uh, and then the midfield three I've just mentioned to you, uh, you know, Berger, Baker and Kundal. Um, and then on the right, I'm going to go... Oh, I'm trying to think of the best formation here. I, I think I think we're going to see Tyrese come back. So I'm going to have Tyrese on the right. We're going to have Juno in the middle. Oh, Hacks on the left and Ryan... Something along those, some combination of that. I, I'm really, I'm not, I've got, I haven't got names in front of me. I, I'm trying to imagine a football pitch and which ones I'm going to put where. Um, something like that. Let's just, let's right, just go so with that, right? Right. So you've got your four defenders sorted. Yeah. How so many midfielders the, are you having? It's okay. So defensive midfielder, uh, the two defensives. So I've got Berger and Baker as them two solid midfielders there, right? And then I'll go Tyrese on the right, Haksabanovic on the left. Juno in the middle and Ryan up top. So I'll you're go going with, with like a four-two-three-one formation. So you're cho- sort of changing the formation as well. That's Just right. well, it, it, the way that we play, it's a bit of a variation. I'd say that we we're in and out of play. I think we do change the formation a little bit. I mean, I think it'd be hard to drop Kundal. I kind of really see him dropping Kundal. Probably not, but 
again, I could give you four or five different bloody setups here. Um, I'm intrigued to see what yours is. So I've got Everson in goal, Hoover, McNally, Rose and um, Gooch at left back. Along the same lines as you, but I actually think Gooch, who's been out, he's been out for less time than Stevens. So I actually think he's more likely to just come back fitter. And I also think he's naturally quite a fit footballer, isn't he? Quite, you know, um, he's, he's, he's got high energy levels and he, he's just sort of, you know, his fitness seems to be one of his strengths. So I think he should be able to fit back in at left back. Uh, I've got Berger is playing of the deeper of a three-man midfield. And then two number eights, so Baker and Kundal, who are both like sort of sat in front of, uh, of Berger, uh, both you know trying to get involved, get forward, influence the game, but also sort of helping out, actually controlling that midfield battle. I've got Vidigal out on the right, Juno on the left, and Ryan Mai up front. Um, but the bench now, <laughs> I've had to, the players missing. I've Wesley, Brazilian international, doesn't even make the bench for me on Saturday. Yeah, um, fair enough. He's had it, I think he's had his chance, and he's just not been good enough. So yeah, fine. <laughs> Yeah, Gale, not on the bench. Um, I'm pretty sure there's going to be other players as well. Uh, but for me, my bench is Jordan Thompson, Tyrese Campbell, Haxabanovich, Pearson, Johnson, Ben Wilmot, Mehdi Lloris, <laughs> um, Jack Bonham, and then Nathan Lowe, because obviously the lads scored a hat-trick on Monday. So if anyone, if we do need a goal last 10 minutes or so, he's, he's uh, you know, probably... Quite a rich convey of form into, so we could chuck him on. Um, but yeah, what what a bench that is now. <laughs> what 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 a good looking squad that looks like. If yeah. if he can if he can get them all firing next season, it's such a it's got such potential. I mean, we won't see the the big turnover in players uh, realistically. I think the players obviously here on loan, yeah, they'll probably go back. I imagine, um, but. By and large, I, I really think that what we're seeing in this half of the season, if they all, you know, keep their performance ha- levels high, I wouldn't be surprised to see a good chunk of these back. Really, wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I've just named you there to eleven players, nine on the bench. Like I say, Wesley's not involved. Gale's not involved. Um, Ender Stevens isn't in that squad. Junior Chamadu, Kyron Clark. Uh, uh, got um, Josh Loren not in the side there. Josh, yeah. Uh, you've got Nick Nikola Jorich. You've got Emre Tezgel. You've got other players as well that are you know, young players who've been in and around the squad. It's you know Sol Sadibi. You know we <laughs> we were desperate for him to get game time. Demarjo Wright Phillips. You know the managers mentioned him the past week. Can't he said that he's you know he's going to be. He's got as good a chance as anyone. You know, he's going to be open, and the the, the slate's been wiped clean with Dimaggio. He's he's just come back after an injury, been signed off back to training. So he's another one. It's like there is what a headache for a manager. But I think this again goes back to what we were talking about. You know, in the in the news section, do we need to be bringing any more players into this group? Really. I don't think so. Not not at this point. I think we not this season. Wait till I the think summer. If we were seventh or eighth, I think he'd probably be saying, "Right, I'm going to get two or three out the door and bring two or three in because 
just want to up the quality in this position, or I just want a better option here. Um, but where we are, let's face it, we're not. With all the goodwill in the world, are we going to make the playoffs this year? Have we got any, any you know, or is he better off building towards next season? We're not making playoffs this year. I'm, I'm not. Not. I know people go. Oh, yeah. We're only eight nine, eight nine points or whatever the hell. I can't even. I don't even know. I haven't even looked eight in points. recent weeks. Eight, eight points. Eight off. points. Yeah, fine. But th- th- that's just not. Oh, that's it. We'll just go and win three. No, these other teams have got to lose games around it. You know. I think people forget that. Like we've we've got to have them teams passing up points. Now this is the championship. It's very possible. But do we have two or three? prolific goal scorers in this team. You cannot rely on one person to get you the goals and neither do we have the spread across the entirety of the team. So for me, I just don't think we've got the goal scorers there. I also, as much as you know, we've thrown out some names, I also don't think we've got a good enough defence to stop the ball going in against other teams who are probably going to be better than Birmingham, if I'm honest. So, no. I think if we can get top half... That will be a very good return in terms of Schumacher coming in. My, my, I spoke to my dad the other day, and he's like, "Look, surely if we just get above where we finished for the last five or six years, surely that is a successful season in the end." Not saying it's a great season, but for where we look like we were going to be at some point, which let's be honest, we we were all pretty convinced that we were in a relegation scrap not too long ago. Um, so. For me, Dan, I'm sitting here now saying let's have a really good end to the season. If we can finish in the top 12, I think that'll be a, a good season in the end. And I do use the words in the end there in big capital letters. Yeah, I think you're right. I say it's progress, isn't it? And that's the key. Yeah. If it is progress and we can progress, then you've got something to build on. I think that for me is the biggest thing. You want, we want a good, positive summer where we've finished the second half of the season well, and there's momentum there. Um, I'd, I'd love to be in a position where players really, really want to come to Stoke. Um, you know, they see us as a club on the up, not just because we're going to pay good money or, or anything, but because we've they can see for themselves. We don't have to sell them the project. They can see it in action itself and see the wheels turning in the you know uh, moving us forward and they want to be a part of it um come the summer because i think that opens up the doors that otherwise you've got to pay hefty fees for <laughs> at the end of the day um and also the positivity i'd love to have a, a i mean we had last summer was positive but only really once the transfers started coming in once it whereas i think through may and june I remember, yeah, when we signed Ender Stevens for a sign, everyone was like, oh, here we go again. Why are we signing players like over 30 and all that? <laughs> and I remember we we sort of did that, uh, the first spaces, transfer spaces we did, didn't we? And I think both of us were sort of saying, well, actually, he's, you know, he's got a pretty good record, Sheffield United, and he's steady defender and all that. But we weren't getting much more support on the on their minds, were we, at the time? No. Um, he was just going right, to be a steady yeah. Eddie, which is actually what what he proved to be when he came and he, he got himself fit. He was never amazing. He wasn't going to go and take on you know full backs and rip him a new one and put a, a pearl of a cross in. He he was just someone there who would just fill in at that left back spot and just do a job. A an upgrade on Morgan Fox, as I think what we called him. Yeah, 
And I, I, I think now, if that was the first sign in this coming summer, like the equivalent, I don't think people would be up in arms as much or being as, as disgruntled. Obviously, you'll get some, you'll always get some. <laughs> we could sign... Um, yeah, we, we could pair up Ronaldo and Messi in the prime 10 years ago. I'm sure some would have complained about something. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? You one player we actually forgot about. Not not forgot, but I, I understand why we've not mentioned him. Um, Joyic, obviously, he's he's been coming in for, well, Alex Neal's comments was that he's not really for now. He's, he's one of them players who fits into that, that kind of future bracket. I mean, there's another player that maybe, I mean, a, a pacey winger. Um, maybe that's something that might be trying integrated next next season. Maybe it's another player. Yeah, he seems to be a very technical player. For the, for the limited time I have seen him, obviously just a couple of occasions, um, briefly with the first team, and then and then obviously there was you know you see the highlights under twenty ones and that. I think he um, he seems a very technical player, very good uh, on the ball and that and. He scores and creates a lot for the under twenty ones, almost as if that he's not really gaining much from playing at that level. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get some, especially like towards the end of the season, if we have, you know, if we if we're eight points off with six games to go still, the manager goes, Well, yeah, that's pretty, pretty much the season's gonna, you know, the playoff charge has died, if you like. We may as well blood a couple more of these youngsters. And I think um like I say, Joich will probably get a couple of game, bit of game time then. Um, but yeah, like I say, he's probably one for the future. I think he's obviously got a bit about him. Um, I, yeah, I'd like to see him involved at some point before the end of the season. If nothing else, gives him the opportunity to understand what's required from him, don't you? which I think is always vital for young players, that they get a taste of it. So that they can, even if you just put them in for three or four games, like we did with Sadibi at the start of the season, like Steve, he played those few matches and then he's gone away and he's gone, right, okay. Now, I knew that I was good enough at this and I competed well at this area, but actually, I, yeah, I could probably improve at this and I, I was sort of exposed at doing this bit. So he knows what, you know, the level he needs to be at and what he needs to improve on in the, in the pro game. Uh, right, I am going to give my prediction, by the way, because I know I didn't give it before. Uh, I'm just going to predict that we win 2-1. Uh, okay. I think I may well have said 3-1 with you, but I'll, I'll go 2. I'll go 2-1. Let's not get carried away, you know. 10 goals all season at home, as we've just said. <laughs> uh, one thing I will say, by the way, I did notice, you know I said that they've, um, they've had 11 areas leading to shots at goal and everything? Yeah. Well, the two players we need to, because obviously, you know, there are going to be weaknesses in this. No Stoke player has made more than one, as I said. Well, John Ruddy has made three errors that have led to a shot at goal. And Cody Drama, centre-half, he's also made three errors that have led to goals. So, Stoke, if you're looking and looking where we can pounce, who we can, you know, who we can put the pressure on, who's going to give us the opportunities, I'll just give you the two players there. So get people around Ruddy if he's coming claiming these crosses. And I think if he's got the ball at his feet, I think that was the big one of the big issues when Rooney was there, wasn't he? he, he he's not he's not a fan of, you know, playing out from the back or, you know, keeping you know, having the ball and just all looking for a pass, picking a pass. So if they do go back to him, 
I would, if I was Stoke, I'd be all over putting pressure on him and you know, making him hurry his clearances and everything just because he, he obviously just does not like it at all. No, 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 hundred percent. We'll we'll do that though, won't we? Um, yeah. I think there's you know, there's one player that I forgot even exists. Just look at the the Birmingham squad. Djokovic uh, uh, has got a very good record scoring against Stoke, hasn't he? Yeah, we we don't mention him. No, let's because it's weird with him, right? When when he was scoring against us, he had he had a few really good seasons, and I remember him being linked with much bigger teams than Birmingham. With all due respect, like he was definitely linked to, to go bigger and better and he's weird he's like one of them players who's just just stuck around at Birmingham and clearly been giving him new contracts at some point but just strange his, his career seems to have stalled a little bit oh yeah I think he's the wrong side of 30 now as well and I think he's yeah, that's down probably. a bit but he's uh, yes he's, he's been sold the dream at St Andrews just sign one more contract. We're, we're going. We promise you, this is what's going to happen. We're going to bring in these players. <laughs> we're going to bring in Wayne Rooney. Oh, Wayne Rooney, sweet. As manager, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, let's move. Is there anything else you want to mention before we head down with Super Six Gaffer and obviously your Six Downs Challenge? No, I think it'd just be nice to uh, to go eight games unbeaten, which is pretty unheard of for Stoke. So, yeah, I'll take it. It would, I mean, eight games, I mean, it'd be six unbeaten for the manager as well, wouldn't it, as in league games, which, uh, yeah, would tie him up there with uh, Brian Little, I believe. Yeah, so uh, let's see if we can make it. I mean, Brian Little won all six events, but we don't need to mention that, do we? <laughs> Um, right, so Super 6 I had a very good week this week uh, I'm up to You sure did I did, yes So I've got 236 points altogether So yeah, I'm uh, not bad <laughs> uh, Yeah, so I, I moved up 55th overall And uh, yeah, I got 16 points I believe it was 16 points Yes, sixteen. Yeah, sixteen points. Uh, you got eight, so I closed right. the gap right up on you. Um, so yeah, you are forty eighth overall. Mate. I'm fifty fifth. You've got two hundred thirty nine. I've got two hundred thirty six. So yeah, there was only three people who got more points than me. They got eighteen, which was John Gerard, Lee Johnson, and Helen Bailey. Uh, so congratulations to, to you three. Um, yeah, well done. So yes, I've I've closed the gap, mate. Another week like that, and I shall be we shall be flip flopping back in front of you. <laughs> well, this is the closest it's been forever, actually, for us. Like it won't you know, literally, as I said, I've had three good weeks, which got me ahead. But like you, you know, you've, you've been pulling it back. The the gap's been small. This is going to go right to the end of the season. I think it's going to be very interesting. You yeah. watch, we'll finish on the same bloody points now. <laughs> you watch it coming. <laughs> We'll both be mascots at the last game of the season. That that's still the forfeit, <laughs> isn't it? No, it's not, no. <laughs> um anyway, Super Six, top three, Sean Flanagan is two nine five, Michael Gadget has two eight six, and Nicholas Shates two seven nine. So those three still uh, leading the way, showing us how it's done. Uh, Gaffer, so Gaffer returned after the FA Cup break the weekend before. Uh, I have got 1,480 points overall, set 37th in the league after picking up 84 points this last week. Uh, the top one, though, was at Ruley S underscore SNC. 
Uh, so they got 136 points. So well done to at Ruby underscore SNC. <laughs> uh, still leading the way, Stokers Bay, 97 points, took them to 2191. Vidigalacticos are on 2126, and at Thirwood, Joe is 2112 in third place. So, yes, streaking well, well in front of me. Maybe I should pay more attention to my gaffer team. <laughs> well, who, who, who's streaking in front of you? Is the missus downstairs again? No. No. Okay. No, no. Uh, tumbleweed there. <laughs> Never mind. I'll get back on my box. <laughs> Speaking of boxes, Speaking of boxes. Um, six times challenge. Let's move on to that one. Eh? Well, actually, before you before you do that, um, the, there's been a load of predictions put into our uh, Facebook Messenger uh, group chat. So let me just very quickly run through them, and then we'll go into your uh, your quiz that no doubt will absolutely butcher, but never mind. Uh, so Liam's gone 2-2. Uh, Campbell and Kundal, uh will score, and then Stansfield will get a brace. Uh, Rory's gone 2-1. John's gone 2-1 to Birmingham. Uh, it's going to come to an end, this run, and feels like the manager bounces ready. McNally own goal and Campbell uh, at the other end. Uh, Kieran says 3-1 Vidigal, Kundal and Big Wes uh, and go for a Birmingham own goal what, what is it with everyone's own goals uh, Jake's gone 1-0 Stoke Stevens 2-0 Stoke with Vidigal and Baker Tom uh, is, which is our Tom 2-1 uh, Stoke with Baker and May um, doesn't give me a name on this which says Facebook user 2-0 uh, uh, with Stoke uh, Stoke with Kundal and McNally. McNally's got a bit of thingy. Someone's posted that Troy Dean has been sacked, which is fantastic because he's an idiot. Uh, Liam uh, says, uh, in fact, no, that's, that's the end of that. I think he talks about something else. Uh, but yeah, um, interesting predictions. One going against us, but everyone else is going for McNally to score. Baker, naturally. Um, even Big Wes makes an appearance, Dan. So yeah, thanks everybody. Yeah, I think that's the thing there, isn't it? We've got, for a team that doesn't score very often, but at the minute we've got loads of options, haven't we? We've got loads of players who you think, oh, he'll make a goal this week. Oh, he'll he's do a goal. He'll probably get one. So, to me, I think we are going to be in for a good, entertaining second half of the season, if nothing else. And this entertaining podcast is going to finish with a six-times challenge. So, Michael, the question to you this week is which players have been subbed off the most this season in all competitions? Ooh, so which okay. Stoke players have well, been mate. subbed off amongst all competitions? Okay. Um, well, let me think about this. So, subbed off... I'd like to say Ben Pearson, but no, he either gets sent off or booked, doesn't he? Um, sent on to get a yellow card. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm going to go for. Oh, this is, this is tricky. I bet these aren't big numbers, are they? Oh. How many lives have I got? I will give you two. Two lives, okay. So yeah, you're you're allowed two wrong ones. (laughs) 
don't want to waste them. Uh, can I go Daniel Johnson? Daniel Johnson is third on the list. Oh, okay. 12 times he's been subbed off this season. Only completed 90 minutes in one of his last seven starts. Oh, right. Okay. Hmm. Um, okay. I really don't think there's going to be many in these at all. I'm trying to think about who's been bloody injured half the time as well. Um, what about Josh Loren? Josh Loren does not make this list. Oh, okay. What about... Think what kind of players tend to get subbed more. I wonder if... What about Ryan May? So Ryan May, top, top, joint top, 13 times he's been subbed off, including right. each of his last four starts. Okay. Um, subbed off then. Maybe Larice might be up there. So Mehdi Larice is fifth on this list. Ten times he's been subbed off. At Coventry away, believe it or not, was the last time he played full 90 minutes. <laughs> wow. Um, oh, this is, this is where it might get a little bit tricky. It's half the time he's been subbed off because he was concussed, but that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> so which numbers am I missing on the list? So you've got another guy who's also on 13. And then you've got somebody in fourth who's at 11, and then you've got the guy in sixth. Right, okay. So subbed off. What about Haksabanovich? No, I don't think he's really started enough games, to be honest. However, probably hasn't, has he? No, I think he's only played, I think he has only played 90 minutes once, but I think he's only started maybe five, six games. Okay. Um, Am I out of lives now? Yeah, so you can't get any more wrong. Oh, right, okay. Well, what about Keanu Hoover? No. Really? Not on the list, no. He has been took off a few times, hasn't he? I think especially for a defender, for a fullback. Uh, But no. So the ones you're missing... Sixth place with eight times he's been subbed off is Beijun Ho. Oh, Christ, okay. Uh, but he has completed three of the last four matches he started. Maybe so, that's uh, why I didn't think he'd be on the list. Yeah. I'm just seeing him as like a permanent fixture all of a sudden, I suppose. Well, yeah, before that, he was very much on the peripherals of the team, wasn't he? He, wasn't re- he was sort of in and out, you know, coming off the bench a lot. And then if he did start, he'd be the first one subbed off by Alex Neal. So, yeah, he's just coming into his own. At fourth, with 11 times been subbed off, Andre Vidigal. Yeah, I, I mean, he would have been next on my list, to be honest, yeah. Do you know Andre Vidigal is yet to play a full match at home for Stoke? Every home game he's played, he's been subbed off. Oh, poor Andre. I know, just leave him on. I think twice he's been subbed off in like the 89th minute as well. Just let him finish the game, will you, for once? <laughs> and joint top, any other ideas before I give you this one? Who it could be? Well, I've said, Larice, I've said. Um, 
Michael Rose? It seems an absolute crazy person to say now. How he's played at the minute. Wouter Berger. Oh, I was, it was between Berger and Rose. Because um, he went through a bit of a weird patch, didn't he, under Alex Neal, Berger? Well, so. he's, play, he's played the last three 90 minutes, which is his longest run of the season. Three, three in a row, right? 13 times he's been subbed off. Do you know he only made, he only played the full 90 minutes on four occasions for Alex Neal? Since Alex Neal's left a month ago, he's already played another four 90 <laughs> minutes. So maybe, Alex, if you'd have left your best player on the pitch a bit more, maybe you wouldn't have got the sack when you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's um, but yes, I think I say uh, he did surprise me because I know he got injured as well for a bit, didn't he? And uh, but yeah, he, uh, yeah, maybe maybe he wasn't as fit, or maybe he was struggling with the intensity of the league stuck on the start of the season. But yeah, he's um, he's not getting subbed off at the minute. Says there's a few on that list who, are, you know, like saying John Ho and Bergen stand out as as ones who are getting subbed off less than they were, shall we say. Oh well, never mind. I mean, I, I, God, yeah, that was that was a that was a tricky one for me. That I think there was without the like the. I mean, even I think even if what about the list of appearances in front of me, it still might not have given away who who would have been taken off more. So yeah, I'll I don't know. I got two, maybe three there. I think I, I think three. I'll take it. All right, onwards and upwards. The six towns challenge. Uh, not not victorious this week, but there's always next week, Mike. And yes, Been on a decent run recently. I'll take exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to save the victory anyway for Stoke on Saturday afternoon, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. We'll get six then instead, eh? <laughs> yes. That could, that could be the six times challenge. Birmingham keeping out the net six times. <laughs> well, good luck to Stoke. Um, I should be there cheering them on. Let's keep this uh, unbeaten run going. And yes, uh, we will be with you again. I mean, some people have been asking about this, haven't we, Mark? We... The Monday pods will return when we get a midweek fixture, which I think uh, the next midweek game is the lovey-dovey Valentine's Day home clash with QPR. So there'll be a Monday pod out on the 12th of February, uh, but not one until then, unless we drop you a special. We might we might do that to uh, keep you going between now and then. But yes, other than that, we'll see you uh, next Friday. Go on, Stoke. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.